0: This is Community Radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m., and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Today is Friday, August 12th. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Hundreds of exotic flower fans have flocked to the UC Santa Cruz Arboretum to see and to smell a Titan Arum Blossom. Native to Western Sumatra, the exotic plant blooms once every seven to ten years. The California Report takes us to the Central Coast for that story. Then, after regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt talks with troubadour Keith Greninger.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom has released a new plan for California to adapt to a hotter, drier future fueled by climate change. Newsom is directing the state to capture and store more rainfall, recycle wastewater, and desalinate seawater.
0: We will lose 10%
2: of our water supply by 2040. If all things are equal, we will lose an additional 10% of our supply by 2040. As a consequence of that deeper appreciation, that deeper understanding, we have a renewed sense of urgency to address this issue head-on.
1: Newsom's plan creates storage space for up to 4 million acre-feet of water and calls for recycling about a quarter of that by 2030. State leaders have earmarked more than $8 billion to modernize water infrastructure. In other news, one of the most closely watched housing bills has cleared a key legislative hurdle and now heads to the state Senate for a vote. Supporters say it could help developers build millions of housing units across the state. KQED's Auditi Bandlamudi reports. The Affordable Housing and High Road Jobs Act, or AB 2011, would make it easier to build housing in vacant strip malls. Some housing advocates argue these sites make the perfect setting for housing, being close to transit and other businesses. The bill passed the Senate Appropriations Committee in a vote 5 to 1. AB 2011 offers a number of labor protections, too, including prevailing wages for all projects and health care benefits for workers and larger ones. That's helped gain support from a number of big labor groups, including the Northern California Carpenters' Union. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. And finally, roses are red, violets are blue. Most flowers smell nice, but not all of them do. And that's especially true for a rare tropical flower at the UC Santa Cruz Arboretum. KAZU's Jeremiah Edding has this story on how the corpse flower raised quite the stink.
3: You know how most flowers smell sweet to attract pollinators like bees and butterflies? Well, in the tropical forests of Indonesia, on the island of Sumatra, a unique plant evolved with a bit of a different approach. It smells like roadkill, yeah. Uh,
0: a rock and egg. It's got like a moist death smell to it.
3: Those are the voices of a few botanically curious onlookers who crowded into the UC Santa Cruz Arboretum to catch a whiff of the rare and endangered corpse flower. It's unlike any other flower in the world. It can reach a height of 12 feet tall. The corpse flower requires a full decade to bloom, but once it does, the flower and its stench only last for a few days. And as you just heard, it absolutely reeks. People have said it's the worst smell they've ever smelled, and it's very intense. That's Martin Quigley, the executive director of the Arboretum.
2: Every insect for miles will smell the smell of rotting meat
3: with a layer of sh- and some vomit and some dead fish too. So forget bees and butterflies. Think flies and beetles. The corpse flower attracts insects that lay their eggs in rotten meat. The intense smell draws them inside the flower like a magnet. By the time the insects realize there's actually no meat, they're already covered in pollen. All about sex and lust, and the lust and the desire to eat red meat. The Arboretum received its corpse flower a decade ago, and that means this year, it was finally ready to bloom. Its nickname? Big Ed. Social media exploded with anticipation as the flower grew between four and six inches a day. Speculation ran wild about when the flower would actually bloom. Finally, in late July, it looked like Big Ed was ready for showtime. It's tall. Apparently, in Santa Cruz at least, humans are what the stinky plant attracts the most. One of the flower fans was Kate Garrett.
0: I mean, who isn't gonna come for like a flower that smells like death and only blooms every 10 years?
3: Like many other visitors, she was there out of sheer morbid curiosity.
0: I've also worked in a cadaver lab, so I'm definitely here to test the veracity of the, of the claims of how much this actually is going to smell like corpses.
3: But the festive flower crowd was in for disappointment. Something was off, and it wasn't the smell of a blooming corpse flower. Even I was disappointed. Oh, man! What a to to Less than 24 hours later, the Arboretum proclaimed the corpse flower was, quote, truly a corpse. They even planned an autopsy. It seemed all hope was lost, but then, two days later, the stench began to rise and the corpse flower was revived. It's pretty miraculous. Arboretum director Martin Quigley. Everybody was whining about how muggy it was, but that was just what it needed. Quigley says the recent warm weather awakened the comatose flower for all to smell. Jamie Cutter, a lecturer at UC Santa Cruz, standing downwind of the just awful-smelling plant, says she's wanted to see a corpse flower her whole life.
0: I was heartbroken when I heard that this one might not be blooming, and I've just been hopefully checking social media every day in case it accidentally bloomed, even though they thought it wouldn't, and I almost cried this morning. I was so excited.
3: It's a feeling shared by the corpse flower's self-proclaimed godfather, Lincoln Taze. He and his wife convinced the Arboretum to take in the corpse flower a decade ago. He's waited 10 years for this moment. A mixture of
2: relief and elation, yeah, and uh, transcendence, you know, transcendent happiness.
3: For Taze, the widespread excitement over such a stinky flower did nothing short of strengthen his faith in humanity.
2: There's something about living things that we are drawn to and care about. And if we could only translate this into some sort of universal feeling for the environment, the world would be a
3: better place. I guess sometimes nature needs to make a stink to remind us all to care. For the California Report, I'm Jeremiah Edding in Santa Cruz. Support for the California Report comes from Silicon Valley Community Foundation, Supporting KQED reporting on early childhood policies and practices around the state. Learn more at siliconvalleycf.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falkor II, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org.
1: And that's the California Report for Friday, August 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Seal Moller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our executive editor is Ethan tovin Lindsay, And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Marie Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: As mentioned briefly in the California report, on Thursday, Governor Gavin Newsom made public a new plan to deal with the ongoing drought. The wide-reaching strategy includes more water recycling, more reservoir storage, and more data collection, including how much water state farmers are using. The 19-page plan advocates for expanding water storage capacity above and below ground by 4 million acre-feet, building infrastructure to capture more storm runoff, and funding wastewater recycling projects that would reuse at least 800,000 acre-feet of water by 2030. According to CalMatters, the report also touted the state's controversial tunnel proposal to replumb the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta and pump more water south. The Delta Conveyance Project, commonly known as the Delta Tunnel, is a project supported by the governor that would funnel water from the Sacramento River into the California Aqueduct, bypassing the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta. The Mercury News of San Jose says that the goal of the proposed 44-mile tunnel is to make the state water project, which provides water to 27 million Californians and almost 1 million acres of farmland, less vulnerable to rising seas, earthquakes, and the extreme droughts and precipitation shifts of climate change. Newsom announced his proposal at a press conference on Thursday in Antioch outside of a desalination plant construction site. Desalination would make up only 3% of the added water supply Newsom is calling for, most of which coming from brackish water, which is less salty than seawater. Locally, according to the Union of Grass Valley, the Yuba City Police Department is seeking information about two people reported missing after a trip to Reno on Sunday. According to officials, 36-year-old Juan Almanza Zavala and 29-year-old Janet Pantoja left together to attend hot August nights in Reno. The pair told family members that they planned to return that night, but after the two failed to show up, Pantoja's family reported her missing to the Nevada County Sheriff's Office. Yuba City Police Department Lt. Michelle Brazil said that cell phone pings performed on both of their cell phones showed that the last known location of their phones was in Nevada County and that NCSO have looked in the area where their phones were last pinged, but they did not locate them. Officials believe that the pair was last seen driving a blue 2002 Ford Explorer with the California license plate 4SNSO72. Anyone with information regarding their whereabouts should call the Yuba City Police Department at 530-822-4661. Yubanet.com is reporting that the Plum Incident, a fire burning in the Tahoe National Forest in Nevada County near Moore's Flat, is now 60% contained. The fire has burned 12 acres and is expected to be 100% contained by August 23rd. Turning now to regional weather. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 61. Saturday will be sunny with a high near 90. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 62. On Sunday, it will be sunny with a high near 92, and Sunday night will be clear with a low around 64. The AQI for Grass Valley and Nevada City is currently good with a value of 4, and is expected to remain in the good range this weekend, with an average AQI of 44. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight mostly clear with a low around 46 degrees, Saturday, sunny with a high near 80. Saturday night in Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area will be clear with a low around 48, Sunday will be sunny with a high near 82, and Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 51. The AQI for the Truckee and Lake Tahoe area is currently good with a value of 3 and will remain in the good range this weekend with an average AQI of 26. For Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight clear with a low around 60 degrees. Saturday will be sunny and hot with a high near 96. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 61. On Sunday, Sacramento will be sunny and hot with a high near 99. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 64. The AQI for Sacramento and the surrounding valley is currently good with a value of 4 and will also remain in the good range this weekend with an average AQI of 39. You are listening to the evening news on KVMR. Up next, Felton Pruitt talks with troubadour Keith Greninger.
4: We're talking with Keith Greninger. He's going to be at the Auburn State Theater in just a matter of minutes. Actually, about seven thirty this evening. Keith, it's great to talk with you. Hey,
2: so good to talk to you, Felton. Thanks for getting a hold of me, man. We're so, excited about the show tonight.
4: So yeah, you got some pals with you, Dane, Kai, and Joe Craven joining you.
2: Yeah, I do. You know, Dane is one of my favorite people to play with on the planet. And uh, he and I have been doing, you know, a duo thing off and on whenever we're in the same area for many, many years. A lot of folks up there in Nevada City uh, have known our stuff for a long time. But when we get the opportunity to play with our good pal Joe Craven, it's always a treasure for us. So tonight's going to be a fantastic show. Um, Dane and I will be doing a couple sets and Joe will be joining us here and there throughout the evening. And he'll be doing some of his own music as well. So it should be a beautiful night.
4: Yeah, 7.30 tonight, Auburn State Theater, so we don't have a lot of time to get ready. There'll be tickets at the door. Tell me about playing with Dane all this time.
2: Well, you know, Dan is, uh, you know, he is kind of a multi-instrumentalist. He's uh, He just plays, it's actually easier to mention the, the instruments he doesn't play. Um, the guy plays everything. Uh, ever since I met him, I just grabbed him right away. He's a bit younger than me, and uh, probably 25 years ago when he and I met, uh, I just said, why don't you come on the road with me? I was getting ready to go on a little tour. And we've been dear friends ever since. And, uh, you know, we, when, as I said, uh, when I get the chance to play with Dane, it's always a treat. Uh, spectacular musician, great songwriter, and, and sings like an angel without wings, you know.
4: Yeah. And then there's that Joe Craven guy.
2: Well, Brother Joe always just, you know, he brings so much beautiful energy into the mix. And Joe and I, you know, have gotten the chance to play together off and on at festivals. Uh, I've done Joe's uh, river camps and stuff. Uh, he's just, you know, what can I say? I mean, he's one of those people who brings the medicine of music everywhere he goes. And we share a similar philosophy about music being medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love to get people involved. We love to make sure that when folks come to the show, they realize that, um, you know, they're also participants. So we get people singing, we get people engaged. It's, uh, and I love uh, what he does, you know, helping people around the world learn about music. So he and I are dear friends. It's always an honor to play with him.
4: Talk about music as medicine.
2: Well, you know, it just is. I mean, think about it. You know, we, uh, You know, music has helped people survive throughout the ages. It's a beautiful way to share stories. It's a beautiful way to share history. It's a great way to empower each other. So you know, I found that, you know, when I first started playing music in my early teens, I found that uh, it was something that connected me both to myself and to a larger, you know, presence in the in the universe. So, you know, as a singer and a songwriter, I'm always honored when people give you their attention and, and they, they show up and, and they pay money to get a seat and to hear you perform. But I, I also really like to remind everybody that, this music in our world is for all of us it's not just something to sit down and listen to and be quiet um it's also something for us to breathe into to clap with to to participate in and hopefully if we're doing our job right um we inspire people to take it home and bring it into their lives and also you know give it to their children and remember that in every household it's wonderful to bring real music in, even if you're just pounding on a drum, even if you're just, you know, singing quietly to yourself. It's ours. It's a gift for all of us. So, um, you know, along with Joe and Dan, we all just feel real honored to be a part of a this tradition that belongs to every single one of us.
4: We're talking with Keith Grenager. He's going to be playing with Dan Kai and Joe Craven at 7:30 this evening at the Auburn State Theater. Keith, a lot of folks on KVMR know you from a band called City Folk. Uh, That goes way back. We used to hang out in Santa Cruz a lot. Uh, (laughs) Yes, that's right. Talk about the evolution. How did City Folk come to be?
2: Well, City Folk was, uh, you know, gosh, we're we're going back maybe 30 30 years ago now or something, right? I would think maybe even more. You know, a couple couple of good friends of mine that I met in various ways, uh, Kimball Hurd, who is another amazing you know, singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, and I were friends in, in Santa Cruz back in the, the mid-'80s, and we met. And then uh, I eventually met another uh, wonderful uh, musician by the name of Roger Foyer, who was the you know acoustic guitarist in City Folk. And in various ways, eventually the three of us ended up in the Bay Area together at the same time, uh, as I say, about mid-'80s and started playing together and just had a very natural chemistry. Once again, getting back to the medicine and music concept, sometimes you'll get together with people where you just, uh, you know, you sit down and you begin playing and you don't really have to talk a lot about uh, where the song's going to go. You just, there's a, you know, there's just a natural way that you play. And that was the one thing about city folk. We all learned an incredible amount together and we went out on the road, started traveling and, uh, you know, it was a it was a wonderful journey. We played together off and off for about six or seven years. Still are dear friends and once in a while we still get together and do shows. They're they're just some of the coolest people I know and it's always a blast to play with them.
4: I know that uh, one of our DJs has been playing you probably for over thirty years, and that's Brian Turhorst.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think Brian introduced a lot of your folks to our music up there and uh Brian is still a dear friend of mine, and uh, it's funny how many places I go to, and people will say, "Hey, you know, I used to hear Red Tail every morning on on the radio show." Or I am a patriot, you know. And uh, and and you're in radio, Feldman. I can't thank all of you enough who are in radio. I know the public feels the same way. Thanks to all of you for that kind of you know. For a musician like myself, you do a great service, and for audiences. Um, the way you find music and share them with people, but yeah, Brian is a—he's uh, one of the guilty parties for why people, uh, you know, my music up
4: there and no city <laughs> folks' music. <laughs> well, what and- a beautiful soul, man! Oh yes, absolutely. I am a patriot now. Written by Little Stephen or Jackson Brown or you guys? Or I mean, I've been so confused over the years. <laughs>
2: Well, here's the cool, here's a, just just to clarify the story. Yeah, it's written by Little Steven, That's what the I guitarist, you know, the guitarist with the scarf for uh, Bruce Springsteen. He actually had written the song for a record he did many years ago, probably in the very early 80s called Sun City, when apartheid was still happening and and it was one of the early movements of of trying to, you know, bring attention in the United States to that issue. Uh, it is Sun City was a club, a very exclusive club, where white people uh, could go. Black people couldn't go there, but all the all the people serving were black. Uh, it was a very rocking version. He had written this very cool kind of uh, rock hip-hop almost version of this song, I'm a Patriot. I actually first heard it because Jackson Brown and, and little Steven were friends. And uh, oddly enough, Jackson started playing it on the Amnesty International tour that they were doing, uh, for years. Uh, and I heard him do an acoustic version of that song and it just kind of knocked me out. I was actually in Alaska at the time <laughs> traveling and a friend had sent me a version of that, and I just learned how to play it and eventually, you know, brought it to Roger and Kimball when we started doing the city folk thing. And, uh, it just became a song that we, we really loved, uh, finishing shows with because it had a sentiment, you know, uh, I'm a patriot, you know, and I love my country because my country is all I know I want to be with my family people who understand me I got nowhere else to go I mean that's the kind of thing that people all over the world feel and I think when we think about humanity uh, in the end when it's healthy and when it it has its ability to feel safe that's what most people just want you know they just want community they want to be a part of the neighborhood they want to they want to take care of their children they want to feel pride in their own lives and you know, um, it's a beautiful song. So it was always an honor to, it just feels great to play a song like that. You
4: know. We're talking with Keith Grenager. He's at the Auburn State Theater at about an hour from now at 7.30, along with Dayan Kai and Joe Craven. Hey, Keith, you always bring such passion to your shows. We're really looking forward to seeing you tonight.
2: Well, Felton, thanks, man. And, and uh, you know, thanks to everybody up there for being such an amazing community. I always love coming up this way, so... It'll be a
4: wonderful night. Thanks for all you're doing, buddy. All righty. We'll see you in about an hour. Adios. Okay. Take care. Now.
0: Bye-bye. That's our newscast for August 12th, 2022. KVMR gets support from listeners just like you and from Sierra Derm Center for Dermatology. Specializing in general and cosmetic dermatology, skin cancer detection, and skin cancer removal for over 18 years. Located across from Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital in Grass Valley. New patient openings available. Information, sierraderm.com. And Dr. Allison McCormick and Auburn Dermatology Center. Offering an expanded practice and a remodeled facility. Openings available to new and existing patients. On professional drive off Bell Road in Auburn. More information at auburnderm.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting independent local media. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a great weekend, and join us on Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.